we are in Vancouver at the Action Coach Global Conference. And with me today, I have Brad Sugars, the founder of Action Coach, and quite arguably, the person that has created the coaching industry as we know it today. So thank you for coming, Brad. Thanks, buddy. That's a big call, big call. But yes, the coaching industry, we're all in learning mode today. Uh, just had some great learning sessions and very excited about being here and uh, excited to chat with everyone today. Absolutely. And the reason we've got you on the call today, Brad, on this sort of on today's session, really we want to look at the fact that you've done a lot of work for entrepreneurs. I mean, we take your book series. I mean, how many books are you published now? Uh, what are we at? 16 books now. Um, and yeah, they're all designed to help business people and entrepreneurs really succeed in business. Um, you know, a lot of the time, I think as business people, we get so focused up in the day-to-day that we forget what's next. And, and, you know, when you have... My goal with the books is to make them so simple that people read it and then go and do something with it. And, and that's, that's always been the goal, read and act. Too many books i found, they're so theoretical, you get to the end and you go, well, that all makes sense, but what am I going to do? And, and uh, that was always my goal as an author, is to, to create action, hence Action Coach. I mean, er- everything's based around helping people get to action, not just theory. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that business owners struggle with is, and especially with my clients, I mean, the majority of my clients, believe it or not, are actually dyslexic. They, had, they never finished school. Yeah. And they're absolutely petrified of learning. I mean, you take the teachers, the teachers totally belittled them in class. They felt like they didn't fit in. They couldn't wait to get away from education. And then all of a sudden you say, okay, well, to run a business, you actually need to learn some new stuff. Yeah, look, you know, the, the scholastic system is not really the learning system. I mean, there's a difference between education comes from the Latin root educare to draw out from people. So you've got to draw out their brilliance. And, and, and that's a lot of schools these days are moving in that direction. Not when we went to school. It was a Absolutely. bit different. You know, it was rote learning and, and that sort of thing. But I, I think, though, for a business owner, that you have to realise that the, and the moment you stop growing, the business stops growing. You know, the moment you stop learning, uh, you know, to put it bluntly, the, the, the business will grow to your level of incompetence. And, and the moment you run out of ideas is the moment the business stops growing. And you can employ people who have ideas, but you'll still hold them back because you're not growing. And so the growth of the human, and that's what any business, and you do this with your coaching, is, is it's about build the people, they build the business. And that starts with the owner or the entrepreneur or the, the CEO. You've got to build the people so they then build the team and so on. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things that actually killed businesses during 2007, 2008, when we had the big financial crisis. <laughs> it wasn't a fact that the businesses were bad, it's just that leadership didn't know what to do. You know, the challenge with 2007, 2008 is that most companies had been started in the five years previous and had never seen anything but good times. Yeah. So they didn't understand what to do in a downturn economy. They didn't understand. Like, you know, I I give the analogy of being on a farm type thing. The farmer knows that you're going to go through winter each cycle. So they they plan for winter. Business owners never really plan for the winter season. They don't plan for the fall. And, you know, when we saw the fall come, we knew we've got to cut back. We've got to redistribute. We've got to do this. This has to happen. This is what's happened. We've got winter coming. We've got to make sure that... just being cashed up at the end of the economic summer was a really important aspect behind it. And you've got to look at now, we're in an economic summer, and the cycle is a seven to ten year cycle. We started the negative cycle in 2008, so we're not far off another negative cycle coming. Now, the winter was extended, so therefore the summer will take a bit longer, but 
2020, somewhere between 2018 and 2020. Now, it could could boom a bit longer because of the the Trump effect, but um, with Brexit and with all these other things, I mean, you've got India coming online going very, very strong as... You know, as most people realise, India will surpass China in population base because they're a booming baby economy, whereas China's a very old economy. Uh, Africa is coming through massively because of, uh, you know, once medicine gets in, we start having uh, much higher uh, health and all those sorts of things. So globally, there's a lot of opportunity right now, a lot of opportunity. But when it comes to business, um, you know... I see too many business owners forget about the fundamentals and try and do all this fancy schmancy stuff. They're like they're stuck on the bright shiny object syndrome and they jump to the next and jump to the next without having the basics done. Well, Sharon said it this morning, didn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She suffered suffered from it. I've, I mean, we've all suffered from bright shiny object syndrome and superhero syndrome of thinking that the business is all about us and if we're a genius, then the business world. It's not. It's about your team and you got to build the team. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately or unfortunately, we've had a, a gazillion great leadership books in the last 10, 20 years. But we haven't had any great management books and we haven't had any great team books since Lencioni did uh, Five Dysfunctions. You know, and that, that's a challenge that we're confronted with on that front, on that side. And that's the reality. See, most people out there, they want to skip supervision and management and want to go straight into leadership. <laughs> and it's like you want to do the math and before you can actually even run to the bus stop. You know, look, I, I try and break it down simply for people to understand that management is about competent, productive people. If there's a level of, if there's an incompetency, it's because there's bad management. If there's a lack of productivity, it's because there's bad management or no management, as in most companies these days. From a leadership perspective, it's about passionate, focused people. So you've got to have passion, you've got to have focus. And so if you look at a company that has leadership without management, they've got passion and focus, but they can't do their job and they're doing it very slowly. If you've got management without leadership, yeah, they can do their job and they do it, but there's no passion or, or focus, there's no goal, there's no direction. So you have to balance both of them. And, and this is where, as a business person, and I don't know when it happened, Pete, but I reckon it happened in about the 90s where manager became a dirty word. It's mm-hmm. like you don't want to be a manager, you want to be a leader. And it's like, come on, that's you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You, yes, you want management, and yes, you want leadership. You, you can't kill off one to have the other. You've got to do both. But I think people got very confused between execution and strategy, and all of a sudden everyone wanted to be a strategist. Yeah. And I'll tell you what I've noticed, especially with sort of the SME family-owned businesses and privately-owned enterprises, is they start a business and it becomes good, and they've got all their friends, their first employees. Yeah. And they promote their first employees to manager level. Don't really train them how to be a manager. Yeah, it's experience-based promotion, yeah. not, not competency-based promotion. And then the business does some more good stuff, and everyone's really working hard, long hours, doing really good shit. And then all of a sudden what happens is they need to promote people to executive level. So they promote all the managers to executives, and all of a sudden they've got this big void because they've never thought about succession management. Yeah. They've not done any of that. And this is where they start to really struggle. Dang, we could go on that subject for hours. I still remember, though, buddy, as a kid, my dad, I reckon I was about eight, and my dad got promoted to state assistant manager, and he literally got sent away for 30 days to a management training course, how to be a manager. You imagine a company doing that today? Like, how long's the management training program in most companies? You know, the great companies, they bring them through management training for two years before they promote them. But most companies these days, their management training is, oh, here's the keys, here's how you turn the alarm on and off. 
you're now a manager. Well, you take a company like McDonald's, they've probably got the best management training system in the world. But people don't realise actually that management training starts when you're actually still at a crew member level, yeah. where you're actually serving customers. They start to become conditioned at that level. By the time they become sort of three or four years later, they're competent at what they do. It, 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 management training starts on day one. You know, I, I, in, in our offices of all of our companies, um, management system is enacted with every employee. So the management system that's used with you when you're an employee, you get conditioned by that system of meetings and, and, and filling in the right things and doing that. And, and it's a very simple system, but because you've learnt it by being in the system, when you get promoted to a manager, it's like, oh, so now I run that session rather than being in that session, so. And it's following a system. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. It's a management system. And it, it, it's, it's interesting, I'm just, you talk about books, I'm just actually, I've just finished The Wealth Coach, but I'm moving on, I'm writing another one called Adding Zeros. It's all about how companies have exponential growth. And uh, you, you mentioned strategy and execution. Absolutely, they've got to be a part of it. You know, there's, there's functions to companies that have exponential growth, and, um, but the people are the core behind that, and how you manage and lead is a big part. And again, if you don't have the foundations in place, you can have exponential growth, but you can also have an exponential collapse because the foundations are just not there. Well, the, I mean, these are some of the simple things I'm writing in the book because it's... it's the, the biggest challenge, Pete, and, and every one of us on this, when I was on the other side of the video, when I'm watching, like I, I'm going back down to another session to learn this afternoon, um, we don't know what we haven't done yet. No. And if you've not run an exponential growth company, you've got to have to read from someone who has. You know, I remember when I first took Action Coach over 100 million a year, and then 200 million a year, and then 300 million a year in revenue, and it was like, you know, and, and I had never done it before, but now I've learned it by doing it and doing it with several other companies. Um, it, it's something that we have to actually learn. And the same with wealth. You know, you've never built wealth before. Where are you going to learn it? You know, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer for a simple reason. The rich have learnt the, the habits and strategies of, of wealth and the poor have learnt the habits and strategies of poverty. And I'm so glad you've actually brought this up because in the UK right, right now, the media, the news are totally bitching about there is a big disparity, a greater disparity between the wealthiest and the poorest. And actually, do you know what? I, don't, I believe that's a choice. Because everyone I see, even the poorest people, they have a freaking mobile phone, a smartphone with the internet. You can get all the information you want on the internet. People choose not to do it. Look, I mean... Jeez, that debate is, is a bigger one. Debate. Listen, great <laughs> philosophers, great, much greater philosophers than you and I have debated that for a lot longer uh, than you and I have. But my, my personal take on it is very simple. You can choose in life to be, uh, you know, unhealthy, healthy. You can choose to be rich or poor. You can choose whichever one you want. Now, the fact that you're conditioned a certain way, you know, you, if your parents fed you uh, bad food, like unhealthy food all your life, and you're conditioned to that, you can change your conditioning. If you were taught negative conditioning with money, you can change your conditioning. But, you know, let's be honest. The media's role is not to help you create wealth. The media's role is to sell advertising, and, and that craziness sells advertising. And they do a good job of it. They do oh, they do a great job of selling advertising, but that doesn't mean they do a great job of informing Absolutely. you of actual news and actual personal growth and monetary growth and all those things. You know, there's so many great teachers around the subject of money 
Um, and, and you've just got to want to learn it, though. And that's, I know as a kid, I, I mean, I was lucky enough at 16 to meet Jim Rohn, who said, read a book a week for the rest of your life. And I did, you know, and still do. Um, but to, to have that uh, desire is not something everyone has. No, and that's you know? true. And, and you can get the desire by getting around the right people and being in the right environments. But you know, the, the, the challenge is, Pete, the people watching this are the people that are already watching other videos yeah. and they're already growing and learning. And, you know, stick with it, of course, because that learning is what got you the success you've got. But what got you here won't get you there. You've got to keep learning and keep, keep growing. So with that in mind, talk to us about The Wealth Coach. Um, if I go back in a couple of my other books, I wrote The Real Estate Coach about real estate investing because there's so many misnomers and myths about real estate investing. And that, I mean, real estate's the simplest investment in the world. You pay for 20% of it, someone else pays the 80% of it. You, you, they, you know, you put a tenant in there, they pay you a mortgage for you. Great. So in 20 years, you've paid off the mortgage, you own an asset. Does it matter if it goes up or down in value? Not really, because you only paid for one-fifth of it, someone else paid for four-fifths. That's the simplicity of real estate investing. I then wrote Billionaire in Training about buying businesses because businesses are the number one asset class on the planet when it comes to creating serious return. You know, all venture capital firms know this. They, they invest in businesses because the value of the asset is determined by the profitability. So if I can double the profit, I just doubled the value of the asset. So what I found though then is, is even though people have the tools to do it, the philosophies of wealth sometimes escape them. You know, if, if you don't think like a rich person, you're not going to do the stuff in the, in the real estate book or you're not going to do the stuff in the business book. So I had to create a way of getting the philosophy of wealth, the, the multiple philosophies of wealth, into a story. And I wrote it as a parable because I, I wanted people to be able to follow the journey. And I talked about uh, a mom and her two teenagers, you know, and, and they had to learn wealth, you know. And so... Unfortunately, uh, you know, most kids are never going to talk about wealth and learn wealth and, and the millennials want it and they're very willing to go out there and do the learning, but they've got to see it in a positive way. Um, you know, and I, I just love the subject of wealth when it comes to people because it's, it's not mystical. It's not anything that's that hard to do. It's actually easier to be rich than it is poor. Um, because you've just got so much more options. But the, the poverty mindset with someone who's armed with the tools, just because you can intellectually understand wealth doesn't mean that you'll emotionally get it. And that's what I've tried to do with this book, get the philosophy so people will read and take action on it rather than just, you know, read and learn something and then not do anything mm. with it. So it's very much going to be in the guise of your other books where actually let's make it simple for people. Oh, yeah. You then have a choice... You've got the choice, okay, if I want to make a change, if I want to become wealthy, there are going to be some basic steps I can take to help me on the way. Look, I, mean, I have to say to people, wealth is a set of simple philosophies and formulas that if you follow them the same way I followed them, if anyone follows those same philosophies and formulas, they will get rich. It's, it's not rocket science, it's not anything amazing, it's just a set of principles and formulas that if followed and if acted upon, that will produce it. So I, I broke it down into the simplest, easiest to understand methodologies and philosophies of wealth. And we all know what wealth looks like and how it actually happens, but 
unfortunately the glorified wealth is the sports star or the movie actor or the or the singer or there's no glorification of wealth of the guy or the gal that bought 20 houses over the years and so true. you know but if you if your great great grandmother had bought 42 homes in downtown london and left them to you in her will you would kind of get the power of real estate i mean it, it's it, again that brings up long term versus short term i mean it's if you're in business, though, you know the power of long-term thinking because you just have to. That's what you're doing when you go into business. You're thinking more long-term. Build an asset that is a saleable asset. Um, with with real estate investing, you have to think long-term. Share investing, it's it's more long-term than short inv- short-term, buddy. So, and no one has a balanced viewpoint. It's, most people have it all or nothing. I'm either all in my business, or I'm all in shares, or I'm going to be all in property. And then when one goes absolutely down the bucket, they're screwed. Well, they, I mean, all asset classes have different, va- different variables mm. and different benefits. Business has a massive benefit in cash flow and asset, and it, it, but it also takes time. Real estate has a couple of massive benefits in that the bank will lend you 80% or 70% right now, but it'll go back to 80 It always does. Um, and uh, because what's going to happen is when you reduce the criteria as a government does and says you have to have more money to invest in housing, what happens is there's less buyers of investments, so there's less rental, so rent then skyrockets, and then the government comes in and says, well, we need to ease up and allow more buyers to create... That's, I mean, that's just simple. Um, but when you look at real estate, its major advantage is that it's a passive investment. Once you've bought it, you put it in with a property manager and... You don't have to do anything for 10 years when you repaint the place type thing. And shares, great investments because they're cashable. Other people are doing all the work and you're just gambling that they're doing a great job. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's You invest in managers who you believe will build great businesses. Absolutely. Now, when do you actually release the book? Uh, the book's about two months away from release. It's in pre-release sales right now, kind of like they do with music these days. You pre-sell a, a whole bunch. And uh, uh, But, yeah, very excited about it. Um, the, the publishing team are doing, have done a great job of putting the book together, and I think they're in the process of doing the Disneyfication of it, coming up with all the flip books and the cards and the posters oh, nice. and all of that sort of stuff that goes with uh, the message. Because it's not just enough to read a book. Sometimes you have to have a poster on the wall to the to remind you of the message day in and day out. Um, you know, it's like we do these videos, but sometimes you need to you need to take that message and put it on the wall and, and, and see it every single day to remind yourself. So of you're it. going to have artifacts to accompany the book that will allow people to be, remain present and not distracted so that they can actually follow a plan because you know what people are like. Oh, look, uh, you know, one of my greatest mentors, uh, I, I never got to meet him in person, but I read all of his, or well, not all of his books, a lot of his books and watched videos of his uh, stories over a lifetime. Buckminster Fuller, he said, create models and artifacts. So all of my books are around a model, the five ways of this or this, you know, and, and then you create the artifacts that help people remember and, and learn from it. So... Two months to go, so we're talking about October 2017. Just in time for Christmas. Just in time for Christmas. You can get it on Amazon? or uh, It'll be on Amazon then, but pre-release now. I'll give you the website and you can post it up for everybody. Okay, so what's the website? Uh, well, we'll send it. We'll attach it to the video, that's so for we'll sure. So we'll attach a video, uh, sort of link to the video. Now, you, you spend a lot of time on the road, don't you? Uh, I spend quite a bit of time on the road. My family and I get to travel a lot and... Uh, 
Uh, yeah, I do enjoy my travel. And you actually do pres- you do seminars and stuff for people. And seminars. You've such- and you've got a whole range coming up now, haven't you? Actually, I'm coming to the UK uh, in a couple of months. So, yeah, in October. So about when the book's being released. And uh, doing a series of seminars called Finish It. How to build a business that works without you. Or build a business that works so you don't have to. So, yeah. So what we'll do, we'll also put a link on where Brad is touring around the world. Because many of the... Many of our viewers are global, mm-hmm. so you can hook, look onto the video, hook onto the websites, look at where Brad's going to be. This stuff is seriously interesting. A lot of the stuff that Brad does is for free, so you'll be absolutely crazy not to book yourself on and attend one of the seminars. Now, look, I, I love teaching it. I have a little bit of a passion for it, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping everyone wants to learn and keep learning this stuff and uh, read all the existing books as well as the new one. Well, thank you for coming on today, Brad. If anything that we've spoken about today resonates with you and you want more information, head over to Gorka.com and get in contact. And remember, failing to learn is learning to fail.